We are here. We've been uh, away a bit the last few weeks. We've done one show out of four, and I don't remember how to do it anymore. <laughs> You're speaking to the little black thing, oh. and people hear it. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, this is uh, Kevin Beckett, and that's Mike, Mike Beckett. Yeah, over here. And we're, we are MD Alignment, and we're with uh, the Rolling Toe Show, and Kevin Rutherford's Let's Trek Network. And we're here and happy to be a part of it uh, this week, but not next week, as we're going to be busy eating. The 17th? No, 16th. 16th of November and 2023, and next week is Thanksgiving. Yes. The, the, the year is just roaring by. Yes. And, and we haven't had time to answer questions for the last two weeks on the air. On the air. We've right. been doing it otherwise. And what adventures have you gotten into in the last two weeks? Um, just normal office things, but including training, mostly training, and beating my head against my computer trying to get it to do what it's supposed to do to uh, do business. Okay. Well, since I am semi-retired. Semi. And I, would, I would call that more like seven-eighths. Seven-eighths retired. Yeah. I decided that it is deer hunting season. Did you decide that? Well, I, I heard it was. You heard it. And I decided, okay, since it is, I've got this neat idea. Okay. I had the idea that I could rope a deer, put him in a stall, feed him up on a corn a couple of weeks, and kill it and have some really good venison. Okay. So the first step in this adventure was getting a deer. Now, I had a friend of mine who has a cattle feeding operation, and, and he noticed that when he puts the feed out, the deer tend to come up and get some. And so this seemed to be a place that I could do something here. So we got the bags of feed. We went out there and a deer came right up to the pickup truck and was sniffing them with me just four feet away. And I figured, hey, you know, this is going to work. So we put the deer, put the feed out. I huddled up at the edge of the feeder with a rope. Now the cattle had seen the rope thing before and they didn't want anything to do with it. So they didn't hang around. After a little while, the deer comes over. I pick one. Looks like a good one. I threw a rope on it, and it just stands there and looks at me. Okay, well, this is cool. So I tie the rope around my waist to make sure I got him cut and locked. That's smart. Okay. Then I took a step toward him. He took a step away. Okay. Well, I put a little tension on the rope, and I received an education. First thing I learned is that while deer may stand there looking at you funny when you rope it, they spur into action when you start pulling on that rope. The deer exploded. The second thing I learned is that pound for pound, a deer is a lot stronger than any cow or colt. The cow or colt might weigh, rain, might weigh more, that, but I could fight him down with a rope with some dignity. With a deer, no chance. The thing ran, bucked, twisted, pulled. There was no controlling it and certainly not getting close to it as it jerked me off my feet and started dragging me across the ground. It occurred to me that having a deer and a rope was not nearly as good an idea as I religionally imagined. The only upside about that. The only upside was they don't have the stamina of other animals. So after a brief 10-minute battle, it was tired and not nearly as quick to jerk me off my feet when I stood up. So I got up. It took me a few minutes to realize this because I was blinded by the blood flowing down from the big gash in my head. At that point, I'd lost my taste for corn-fed medicine. I just wanted to get that damn creature off the rope. I figured if I just let go of the rope and hung around his neck, it would likely die slow and painfully someplace. But at that time, I had no love lost between me and that deer. I hated that thing, and I would venture to guess the feeling was mutual. 
despite the gash in my head and several large knots that I'd clever, where I'd cleverly arrested the deer's movement by bracing my head against various rocks and trees as it drug me across the ground, I could still think clearly enough that I had a small chance they shared some common responsibility for the situation we were in. I didn't want the deer to suffer a slow death, so I managed to get lined back up between the truck and the feeder, kind of a trap I'd set beforehand, a squeeze chute, if you would. I got back in there and started moving up so I could get the rope back. Do you know the deers bite? They do. Never in a million years would I thought a deer would bite someone. So I was very surprised when I reached out to grab the rope and the deer grabbed the hold of my wrist. Now, when a deer bites you, it's not like being bit by a horse where it kind of bites you and slides off and lets go. The deer bites you hard and shakes his head like a big dog. They bite hard and it hurts. The thing to do when a deer bites you is probably freeze and draw back slowly. I screamed and was shaking instead. My methods were ineffective. It seemed like the deer was biting and shaking for several minutes, but it was likely only several seconds. I, being smarter than the deer, so you may question that claim by now, tricked it. While it was busy tearing my tendons out of my right arm, I reached up with my left hand and pulled the rope loose. That was when I got my final lesson about deer behavior. A deer will strike you with their front feet. They rear back up on their hinds and strike right about shoulder and head high. And their hooves are surprisingly sharp. I learned a long time ago that when an animal, like a horse, strikes at you with the hooves, and you can't get away easily, the best thing to do is make a loud noise and move aggressively toward the animal. This will usually cause them to back down a bit so you can escape. This was not a horse. So obviously, such trickery would not work. In the course of a millisecond, I decided to spice a different strategy. I screamed like a woman and tried to turn and run. The reason I had, not always, I had always been told not to turn and run is that the horse that paws at you in that there is a good chance he will hit you in the back of the head. Deer may be so different from horses, after all, besides being twice as strong and three times as evil, because the second I turned back, he hit me right in the back of the head and knocked me down. Now, when deer paws at you and knocks you down, it does not immediately leave. I suspect it does not recognize the dangerous past. What they do instead is paw on your back and jump up and down on you while you land on the ground screaming like a little girl with your head covered. I finally managed to crawl under the tr- truck, and the deer went away. So now we know why people go deer hunting with a rifle and a scope to even the odds. I see. <laughs> get them before they get us. They got us. Right. <laughs> so I'm taking that not from experience. No, this I is something I found. Dripping down your head. Yeah, I found this. You whined about breaking your finger for, I'm going to say, about a year. At least a year. Yeah. So I'm going to assume that uh, a fight with a deer didn't oh, that would have been traumatic. You'd have had to lock me up. Yeah. So, 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 where did you get that story? I saw it on Facebook. Saw it on Facebook, and I just thought it was cute. All right. And I had to share it. Attribute is important. It was better than talking about tires. Yes. All right. Tires. 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 You're tired of talking about tires. Boy, am I tired of talking about tires. Well, I got one call on the line, and if anybody else wanted to call with something other than deer. Maybe other than deer. You can talk about hunting, especially if it involves a truck. Uh, hunting deer with a truck. A deer with a truck, right. The number would be 855-950-3835, which I think is also Kevin's number. Um, but we do have a call that isn't about tires and it isn't about deer. Oh. It's about wheelbarrows. Okay. And that's from somebody called Maybe Aaron. Okay. Maybe. Maybe Aaron. 
Hey, maybe what he has to say. Hello, maybe Aaron. Good morning, guys. Hi. Uh, I I bought uh, some used trailers, and these guys that had these trailers like to set their wheel bearings up loose, real. Uh, when I when I grab the tire and give it a shake, you can hear and feel it clunking. Oh. I know you've talked about a uh, torque spec that you use to tighten those down um, yep. with the rims and tires and everything mounted up. Okay. But I don't remember how much torque I'm supposed to use. I don't either. I'm an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the question becomes, is it a single nut assembly or a double nut assembly? Double nut. Okay, so with a double nut assembly with the wheels on, and dual wheels is what we're talking about, you've got the outer nut off, you've got the spacer washer off, you spin the hub, and since it's already been assembled and you don't worry about preceding anything, you just want to snug it up, right? Correct. So you tighten it up to 75 foot-pounds while you're rotating the wheel. Then you put the washer on and you jam the outer nut down. Wow, that seems so tight. A full 75 foot-pounds. Well, remember what you're doing is you have two tapered closed bearings in there, right? As you tighten the bearings in, you're pushing the bearings together, and you're lifting the hub, brake drum, and wheel assembly and centering on the bearing. You've got 700 pounds of weight there, and you're tightening to 75 foot-pounds. Right. It's probable that there's still going to be a gap on the bottom. Oh, there's still going to be a little play. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So I will do that then. Cool beans. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. Have a good day. Yeah. You know, I was just talking about attribution. Um, where, what do we attribute our fork bearing setting to? Did we make that up? Did a, did a mystical bean come down from the sky and pass upon us the knowledge of the bearing? Adjustment? In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. I had a vision. A vision. Yes. There was this angel. Uh-huh. With a torque wrench in his hand. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was an article I read in Fleet Owner Magazine. He was smacking me on my head. The angel yeah. was smacking me. Fleet Owner. Fleet Owner Magazine, and it was talking about a test program that was being done by Victory Express and Federal Mogul and Consolidated Freightways. Yep. And they were testing torque-setting bearings. Right. And they were talking about doing it with the wheels off and then with the wheels on and this and that. And their basic idea was there should be a certain tension we could put on the bearing depending on how much weight we're picking up. If you're just picking up the hub, there's one torque setting. Hmm. If you're picking up dual wheels, there's a different torque setting. And we saw that in 1990. And after I read that, and I knew we were having problems with grease deals and tire wear and vibrations and stuff, and and I went to my partner that I had at that time, and I said, read that. And he read it, and he said, well, that's interesting. I said, I think we ought to try it. So I went to a fleet that we were working with, we had a good relationship with, and I showed the owner the article. He said, that's very interesting. And I said, I want to try that. He says, is your insurance paid up? I said, yeah. He said, have a good time. (laughs) And so we did it. And we modified the torque settings. The, up the, the torque settings that they had, what were they? Straight 50 pounds. Uh, 50? Yeah. 50 pounds. Front rear driver. Yeah, there was no, the article didn't go into that much detail. All right. But it had a basic set of 50. And so we started experimenting up and down with that and, and seeing how tight we were getting. We were using a dial indicator to see how much end play we had with the torque settings. And we finally settled on the numbers that we've got on our chart. And we've been doing that since about 1990, and it works just fine. Works just fine. Yep. Yep. All right. So that's uh, 
we we don't come upon our ideas uh, just out of nowhere. Oh yeah, we do, and then we yeah. figure it out. No, yeah, but <laughs> we do apply them with it and uh, allow that experience to temper our expectations or yeah, change yeah. how we do things. Yep. All right. So that was the only call we've got. Uh huh. Uh huh. Can I take a nap? So I should tell everybody now. You're you're all going to have to witness some other form of punishment. Uh, fulfilling time. George is a joke. I don't know what it's going to be. George the whole thing just an old sweet hour gone from the stand-up comedy to singing. Never mind. This, uh, this, this retirement seems to be treating you well. I'm doing fine. I get a few tech calls at home. Right. Uh, I get to read. I get to play with a dog. Uh, dog. Since, I, since I had COVID back in November 2020, I can't smell or taste anything. Anything. And so the wife says, good. It's a nice day to clean up the dog poop in the yard. And I got no problem. Anyway, so go yeah. clean up the dog poop. Yeah, no, it's it's all right. I'm I'm kind of relaxing, kind of sitting back. I mean, it, I'll be 75 in February, and that's that's fine. Yeah, that is fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We do have another call in. Now this one is related to the last one. They're asking about an actual seal. Uh huh. Yeah. So let's see what they have to say out of maybe New Jersey. How are we doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Now, I just said Axel Seal so I could fool you guys. Mike, I don't know if you remember, but I lent you $500 years ago. You told me you'll pay it back when you become famous and have a radio program. Right. So I'm, I'm looking for my payback now. Uh, just remember that you, you know how to tell when a salesman is lying? My lips are moving. Yeah, my lips are moving. Okay. Oh, so you're not famous and on a radio program. Uh, right. That's sure. correct. Yes. That's but you're out chasing, okay, but yeah. you're out chasing deer. Yes. Yes. With a rope. With a rope. Well, yep. stick with the two-legged type. I don't think they beat you up quite as bad. No, she hasn't. That's, that's true. Yeah. Kevin, no. Kevin said that I should be hunting deer with a truck. Right. Some it, people do. This, this time of year, especially a lot of guys do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They use their they got, they got special apparatus they throw on the front of the truck so that they can hunt deer with their truck. Yeah, and then they drag it home with the rope. They drag it, <laughs> and by the time you get home, it's all skinned. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. I, so I got, I got a question because uh, I had my trailer in a shop. I had a, a lot of work done, uh, bushing. Um, axle seal um, brakes, only three axle seals because one was still good. Uh -huh. And it's an older trailer, the 99. And these axle seals, to me, if I remember when guys would speak about them, they would say like they were like wet, but not necessarily leaking. Like, yes. They weren't spreading. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, first off, is that legal? Yes. Somebody looked at it, so it's okay if it's wet. It should be a little damp. A little dampness means that it is catching the dirt and preventing it from going in any further. Okay? So a completely dry one, all right, well, that's nice. 
But if there's just a little bit of moisture around there, it's catching the stuff and it's sealing it. It's preventing anything from coming inside. Okay. Well, anyway, these wheel seals were changed, but I believe they're leaking. Mm-hmm. I haven't called under, but I keep getting um, oil on my rims. Flush. Yeah, it's something's leaking. The cap. Yeah. I'm going to go under, but I remember people saying years ago, I, I want to say, was there a Naga hide seal? Is that different brands use different material for the seal. And, and what I found years ago working on trailers, trailers that were like 10 years plus old, is that the surface that the seal runs on, the shoulder of the spindle, tends to get a little pitted over time. And so the seal has a hard time sealing all of that because the surface isn't smooth. And what we used to do is when we had it all apart and we were getting ready to put it together, we would take a little blue RTV and put it on our finger and rub it around on that shoulder and the blue RTV would fill all the, the pits. And then when the seal went on there and you spun it, it had a smooth surface to work against. We had a lot better success at getting a seal to work right. Did you let it dry? No. No, you just put it on and then you put the put the hub on and it was just yeah, bang, bang, let's go. Okay. I because I, I have a feeling that's, you know, part of the problem. It's older. Uh, but again, on this trailer, every every time somebody looks under it, they would say, Yeah, you need seals. Um, well then, always then like, it's not all it's not leaking out. So Yeah, if it's just damp, I'm not gonna worry. But if you see moisture dripping down, okay, yeah, that that's yeah. that's the leak. Okay, now the next yeah. question I got is are the bearings properly adjusted? I know they did all the work and they'll put it all together, but are you sure the bearings are properly adjusted? I would think so because it was one of your shops. Okay, all right. Then I have a lot more confidence they got it right. But they may not have known about the trick with old hubs and how to make them steal properly. Yeah, because that's the first time I've heard of it. I just know years ago people would say, again, I'm using, I, I want to say Naga hide or raw hide uh, seems to be a filler maybe, if I'm thinking right, whatever they were made of. They weren't like OEM original seals. They were using old dirt. There's a lot of things we used to do in the old days that they won't let us do anymore. Yeah, of course. You know, you can't chase other women. Your wife will get you. Yeah, you can't beat your kids. Right. You can, <laughs> right. You can beat the neighbor's kids if you can get away with it. Do it. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So so that would be the trick. Okay. That would be the trick I'd use, yeah. Blue RTV. That's what we use. Okay. Very good. And I'll be waiting for that $500 check in the mail. It's in the mail. No problem. I, I mailed it to your address in, in Hawaii. Yeah, that's the one. That's, that's the one. Very good. Okay. I'll right. go there. No Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. All right, bye. Bye. Far out. The things that I promised in the past that people never caught me on. <laughs> you keep moving and they, they have trouble catching you. That's right. That's right. Let's see. You were in previous house up on ninth for 19 years. Yep. And now you've been in this house for 18 years. Is that right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Time flies when you're having fun. And the interesting thing is that if you go before that house, yeah. in the previous 20 years, we moved 18 times. 20 years before that, yeah, we moved 18 times. Yeah. 
just uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to say Altoona is the finest place in the world, but for whatever reason, we're stuck here. I ran out of yeah. gas for the moving van. Yeah. <laughs> Far out. All right. All right. So, so let's see. This next week, yeah, I have nothing special happening except for business. I just got tons and tons of things to do, business related. Good. None of it fun. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I but let's see. Recent relevant information for everybody out there, man. Obviously, number one is going to be air. We don't sell it, but we talk about it all the time. Got to have the right amount of air. Got to have more air in your tires. Yep. And specifically, it's coming into late fall, and tires are going to start deflating a lot faster than they used to. And just just one tire being low on air can cost you hundreds of dollars. I had a guy call me with a tech call the other day that I didn't have an answer for. Okay. okay. All right. Let's hear it. All right. This is on a Western Star, and he's blowing out left front tires. Left front steer? Steers. Wow. Yeah. Um, he's lost three of them on the same truck on the left front position, all of them with 80,000 miles or less on the tires. He says, there's no irregular wear. I said, okay. He said, I have a tire pressure monitor on it. And the tire pressure monitor says that I'm keeping good pressure. We're not seeing anything unusual in that. And we're not seeing any unusual in the temperatures because the CPMS, this one also gives them a temperature in the tire. And I said, what about if the rim was bad? He says, well, the second time the tire blew, the rim got damaged and I had to replace the rim. Uh, the second time. Yeah. So I've, got, third time. so I've got a new tire and a new rim and the tire blows out again. All right. And they were all the same brand of tire, but I'm not ready to blame the brand because if the brand was the problem, he'd be blowing out right front tires too. Sure. Unless we got the one good tire and it ended up on the right side. Yeah, right. Okay. So I, I'm, I've gone through my head with all the logic sequences I can come up with, and I can't come up with a reason to blow, blowing out left front tires when you have a tire pressure monitor on it that also gives you the temperature, the tire's not showing any irregular wear, and it's only the left front. Right, only the left front. And, and at odd intervals, is just happening. Yeah. Well, I got to say, uh, he's unlucky. <laughs> okay. I think, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. There are no other inputs. I mean, if it isn't they, it's based on where he drives his truck. They do drive him off-road. Okay. They do drive. Well, no, it wasn't off-road. They drive in the, he said we're in the Atlanta area a lot. And, and we're going into warehouses and stuff where things aren't exactly perfect. But if, again, if that was the problem, I would Why expect isn't... drive tires. I expect trailer tires. I expect yeah. the other front tire. Why aren't all the other tires suffering the same? And, and if you say, well, the driver hits things he's not supposed to hit. Okay. My experience is drivers tend to hit things with the right front tire because they can't see over there. Right. Not the left front tire where they're looking at it. Right. So I'm just, if anybody's got any ideas, I'd be interested to hear them because I, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's just luck. Okay. Okay. Well, apparently he's got a fleet of trucks. I don't know what that means. Five of them is a fleet, ten of a fleet. Okay. And it's this one truck that's doing it. Right. 
could be that the driver doesn't like him. <laughs> could be. But this is a, every incident is a frustrating time for the driver too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unless the driver doesn't want to go someplace, one way to stop it is have a flat tire. But you think you'd be smart enough to do something other than a steer. Right. I, I just, I can't, I can't get there. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Going, I'm sticking with luck. I'm sticking with it. Okay. So, all right. All right. So now we got another minute, uh, several minutes left here. Uh, and the answer to their uh, tire blowouts, field uh, bearings, deer hunting, deer hunting is right. When and when you make that with the with the bearing procedure that you had there, you know you you don't have to shoot the bearings, so you can skip that part. And you do is you're on a double nut stay, and you have to tighten up the end nice and tight, and then. Uh, Let's see, you place the washer in uh, between the two nuts, and then there's a lock washer, and then you have to beat the deer back away from the trailer so that you can get to the outer nut. <laughs> You're carrying food, and, you know, feeding the deer once that, and he's in your way. Quit carrying deer feed in your pockets. That would be oh, That would be it, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so then you tighten down the outer nut to a German torque spec. German, you use the German torque spec. That is what, what's it called? Guten tight. Tight. Yeah. All right. And, and that, uh, the definition of that is you take the OTC socket you've got to go on that nut. Right. And you got your breaker bar. Uh, breaker and you, bar. And you tighten it down until just before you nut, the nut's going to jump off and bust your knuckles. Ah, that's good and tight. That's good and tight. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you want to go by the engineer's process. Right. By definition, a jam nut, which is the second nut on any assembly like that, their process says the jam nut should be double the torque of the inner nut. Right, right. So let's say you set the inner nut at 75 foot-pounds. Is what we said. Then the outer nut needs to be at least 150. Right. Now, then why, why would it be double that? Why would it be much higher? I mean, why not have both of them at 75? Well, what you're trying to do is you're trying to use the outer nut and its grip on the threads, push the inner nut across the lash of the threads and create a jam. Yes. And they say in order to do that consistently and dependently, you have to double the value. Double the value. So that's the point of a double nut is that, well, if you tighten the single nut, uh, the the pressure back against it is going to push it to the back side of the thread. Right. So by using a jam nut, you're pushing that back over to the front side of the thread. Correct. All right. And, and the thread between those two creates a jam in the thread. Right. So the single nut process doesn't really account for that. No. The single nut process, that's why when we torque with a single nut, the values are 15 foot pounds more. Right. And then you put a clip ring in, and the clip ring locks it from backing off. Right. So instead of instead of using something to push it back across the thread, you simply turn it further toward the uh, uh, the, the whatever you're tightening against. Right. Uh, to make up for it, and then clip it. Now the difficulty with the sleeved bearings, right, which is like the Conmet uh, LMS, or the Conmet preset, or the Dana LMS is if you have a sleeve between the inner and outer bearing, when you tighten down the nut, you're pushing against the bearing, pushing against the sleeve, and you're already jammed against the outer side. Right. And then they use a double nut. Well, 
the ability to push that internet across the thread and create a jam is limited by the fact that the sleeves in there and you're already up against it. Right. I've always wondered if the double nut is appropriate for a sleeved assembly. Well, the results speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, even with that uh, that issue, the double nut is holding for several hundred thousand miles. Yeah, because they have a 350,000 mile warranty on them. Right. And it does work well, but it, it just the concept strikes me as a little funny. Maybe they'd be better off with a single nut with a clip ring. Right, which, I mean, I guess you work with what's available. Yep. They, they didn't rewrite the, they didn't recreate the whole wheel when they when they did that. They just got the right inside it first. Right. I don't know if they even use the double nuts anymore, do they? Yeah. They, so they're still using double nuts. Oh, yeah. Still used it. All right, yep. then it must be good. Yep. All right. Ain't broke, don't fix it. No, definitely not. Uh, all right, so now it's uh, we got twenty minutes I don't know left. If my clock is right. It's oh, okay. We've got actually we 20, got twenty minutes left. Yeah, yeah. Because the one the one that I'm looking at says there's ten minutes left. Well, I believe the ten minute one. Can we quit early? <laughs> it's possible. Can I take a nap? Well, you're going to take a nap anyway. Should I come up with another joke? Should you? Should you come up with one? That's a good question. Should you? Should you? <laughs> If I do it, I get a weapon. <laughs> I do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. I don't know. It's up to you. I remember those old cartoons. Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and all those crazy guys. Right. Wow. I was, I was looking at those cartoons and enjoying them in the 50s. Yes, yes. The kids aren't watching them anymore. Oh, because Daffy the Duck ain't watched those in over twenty years. Daffy Duck and Elmer Fudd shooting at each other with shotguns was bad for us. No, it just it was completely outdated. Nobody, all the jokes, all the references, the adults yeah. that are watching it weren't getting it anymore. I'm outdated. Roadrunner was always buying things from Acme. Right. Mm-hmm. I just. That's then sidestep for the entertainment industry. I guess we're in the entertainment industry because we're on a podcast. Are we? That's that's what I tell people. Can we go to Hollywood and be famous? <laughs> I'm always telling people about all the famous people that I meet because I'm in the entertainment industry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I did just hear that uh, there is the speaking of this very topic. There's a movie called Coyote versus Acme. Oh, is that right? That was written and produced and then shelved by Warner Brothers. Uh-huh. Uh, but they took it off the shelf. They said, okay, we're going we're gonna to back off our decision to shelve it. We're going to actually release it. So the Coyote is doing Acme for their defective yeah, product? They're, they're, let's see, how old would that stuff be? That would be almost 100 years old, like uh, 80 to 90-year-old Coyote cartoons. Uh, those, are, those are now coming back. They're making a new movie about it. So, I always thought it was funny. Yeah, they'd go out there and they'd paint a, a tunnel on a rock, and the and the right. coyote would run into it. Whack! But the, but the roadrunner would somehow run right through it. Yes. Yep. Yes. That's, uh, bending your reality uh-huh. to fit the situation. I reject your reality and substitute my own. Right. Right. That's a quote. I've had. Um, Who was that quote from? Uh, well. There's probably a couple places, but the latest one and the best one is the Mythbuster. Yes. Something. Adam. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's yes, a, indeed. Which is which is what everybody's basically doing all the time. Uh, even in the alignment industry, uh, they replace reality with their own vision of what reality should be. 
Yes, and uh, it doesn't work very well. I got uh, a question for you. When's the first time you started working with actual manufacturers? Oh, the first time would have been when I ran into Carlos Villarreal. Okay. Dorona, Mexico. Dorona in Mexico. I met him at a trade show. I think it was the International Truck Show in Las Vegas when that was going on. Right. I met him there and we got to talking about bearings and alignments and this and that. And he was having trouble. His axles were getting blamed for tire wear problems. And Dorona was a licensee of Rockwell axle. Rockwell. The old Rockwell. The old Rockwell. Yeah. Meritor. And and he and I wound up working together, and he really got excited about what we were learning. And he took our Common Man's Guidebook and translated it to Spanish. Right. So that he could use it in Mexico. Right. This was before the QCT and the lasers and everything. Yeah, it was just when we had the book. And and we we worked together for several years. He was a good Good engineer, good time. I learned a lot about axle manufacturing then and the problems right. they run into in the manufacturing and how those problems, if not resolved, showed up out in the field. Right. So how they showed up. Yeah. So that would have been that would have been nineteen ninety five. Ninety five. Okay. And now back then during that, with that work that you did, how do we do different things. We take measurements like uh, we say we're going to, instead of measuring from the actual front of the axle, or instead of uh, measuring to the, the the eye, the inside of the eye of an eye beam, we measure to where the bolt is drilled into. Yeah, the and I learned that axle. from how he said the axles were built. Yeah, how the axles built. Yeah, because when they build the axle casting and they form it, and a stamp forms the pad that the leash springs are going to sit on, the amount of steel that moves forward and backward is not exactly the same. During the stamping During process. During the stamping process. Because when it's stamped, it's red hot. Right. And then the axle is cooled down, and it's put in a holder, a jig fixture, and then a gang drill comes down and drills the five holes in the spring pads and the two holes in the kingpin and all of those drill heads are held in one piece that comes down. So the whole pattern in the steel is perfect if you measure from hole to hole to hole. Right. But if you measure from the hole to the leading edge of the axle, there's different dimensions because the amount of steel that moved was different when they stamped it. Right. So if you're going to measure to an axle to determine position, you have to measure to the hole pattern. Right. Not to the steel. Right. All right. And last but not least, I got a couple calls here, but... Uh... Our, okay, here's we have an, a new fun problem we're going to end up dealing with. I hope not, but it sounds like it's going to happen. Uh, they're going to start inducing caster uh, directly from the factory into Hendrickson steer axles. So they're going to twist the axle in the manufacturing process. Yeah, they're going to drill the kingpin at a different angle um, on the right side. So they have to drill it on Hendrickson. They weld the axle. Weld it. They yeah. weld the the kingpin onto the axle. Right. They'll weld it in a different okay. spot. And, and Dana has done that for years with camber. Camber, yeah. The kingpin inclination, the amount of angle in the kingpin is different on the right side than the left side on a Dana axle. Yeah. And so we've had to deal with that from the manufacturer from day one. The problem that Dana has had with that is when you ship that axle to a company that drives on the other side of the road, the axle's wrong. Right. Correct. <laughs> 
that really have a camber problem if, if that's what you're doing. And if they do this with caster, which I would hope they didn't do, but they probably will, when they ship an axle to Australia or South Africa or England, the caster twist that they're building into the axle will be wrong for the road they're driving on. Right, correct. Yeah, the, my issue with this is if I set up a truck to drive straight, if I set it up with my standards, if there's any caster in it, it's still going to have a left pull. It will have a little bit of a left pull, but if they're going to induce caster into an axle, doing it the way they're talking about doing is the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah it's the only way you can do it on their axle. If you if you tried to do it by changing the spring pad yeah. and twisting the axle that way, then the load of the truck turns the axle into a torsion bar. Yes. So by doing it at the end of the axle, changing the kingpin, if that's what you really want to do, I I don't have any real major problems with it. But you will have a, a little bit of tire wear problem. You'll have a little. You'll have a left pull. You'll have a little tire wear. You'll have a little problem. And all depends on the slope of the road. If you can never get the vehicle to drive straight, right? Because the you've changed the way the geometry is. Yeah. All right. All right let's get to the calls before we close this up. Uh, the first one is our good friend Shana. Uh, here she well, is, Shana. Hi. How are we doing today? We're doing good. We're, we're from, we've been doing our hair out with, with a 30 year old Tenworth that I know Jason's got the pleasure of talking to Kevin a million times on it, but I think we're finally figuring it out. This truck came in with a bent steer axle, so we had to replace uh-huh. that. Unfortunately, they don't make those axles 30 years later, so we had to find a used one. and get all that done, but we kept still keep pulling to the right. And we figured out, um, I think it's in the back end suspense in on how that's done. But uh, it's been it's been a challenge. I want to thank you guys for referring Jason over. It's been a good partnership where we're able to do a lot more than we were able to do before. So, cool. cool. Good, to hear. good to hear. And we just wanted to appreciate the back end support from you guys. And I do have to ask, Kevin, did you like your G-spot seasoning and hot sauce? I, we just, yeah, we've, we've tried a couple of them. The, the, the dry powder, I had that on some steaks. That was okay. And then the uh, what was it? The, 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 the mango habanero. I'm going to, I guess, uh, yeah, I got to tell you, is, is there was basically no heat. So There's no heat. Is, it's uh, a flavor. It's just flavor. Yes. But, yeah, okay, so I, I just, we get a lot of people that just, Gotta laugh at it, but yeah, my husband pretty much drinks it. Won't go habanero. Uh, <laughs> you bring it out to the the campground, and everybody wants to know about the G spot, so it just makes it funny. <laughs> Thank you guys for the support. We'll let you know once we're bringing that truck back in to make one other adjustment to the rear end on uh, Tuesday. Cool. I'll let you know how that goes. I appreciate it. You have right. a great day. You. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for calling. All right. Okay. Um, okay. And then the next one is uh, maybe, and he's got a rear bushing issue uh, from maybe Green Bay. I don't know. Hello. Welcome back, boys. Welcome back, boys. Yeah, you've been off a little bit here and there over the week, so I am. Um, all these guys that do almost the same thing as you guys do, but they're on YouTube. And um, like a Santa Claus looking son of a bitch. 
he goes on there, he plays with the lasers, he shoots them around and stuff. And it's kind of, you know, it's pretty informative. So he did a good job taking over for you when you weren't around. His kid comes up there with him sometimes. He, he, his, he, I don't know, there's some Santa Claus with him, son of a bitch, on YouTube. But anyways, he talks about tires <laughs> alignment and stuff like that. And then his kid comes on there, but, you know, his kid's kind of dopey. So this poor guy's never going to be able to retire. Yeah, but he's on YouTube, he's shooting lasers all over the place, and you can learn a lot from him, but, you, you know, you might want to check him out. So, As long as he's but, having uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I did not buy a, I didn't buy a tire tool, but I bought something like it. And I'm going to do the rear bushings on an airliner uh, day after Thanksgiving. We used to freeze them and whack them in, but I, I bought the Atros, and I can't do that to them. I think I'll probably destroy them. Um, yeah, probably. Do you have any tips? Any tips on how to on pressing them in and out? Well, do you, did you get a tiger tool or something to press them with? Is it something? Yeah, it's similar to a tiger tool, but it's not a tiger tool. Okay, as long as it's similar, then the only the only trick I ever had with if you've done them before, you know, you you got to make sure you ream the 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 eye of the spring out so that you've got rust and corrosion out of there, so it'll slide in good. And what I used to use, I used to use white grease. Okay, okay that'll work. White grease. Slide them in. You know, in my, my toolbox from years ago, um, we used to have a little reamer. I think it was just for like a lawnmower engine or something. That might work too. Put that in there and drill. So, okay. okay. Well, yeah, what, good tip. What we, used, what we used was a cylinder hone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's got those okay. funky balls at the you end of it. Put it on a drill and do it a little bit and put a little grease in there and stick the stuff. Yeah. I'm very glad I called because I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> so. All right. I just want to wish you guys a very, very happy Thanksgiving and uh, enjoy some time off. Thank you, sir. Same back at you. All right. All right. Thanks, man, for calling. Bye. Cool. So what I what I suspect is going on is uh, they're they're seeing there's a guy he's totally stealing our bit. Uh, they're on I've seen it on YouTube and and in other places. It's a guy named Red Green. Red Green, Red Green. totally stealing all the things that we do. Uh, so I, I, hate, I hate I hate looking guy. I hate to tell you this, and he's got a goofy son. I hate to tell you this, huh? But I stole all the stuff from him. <laughs> and fucking black and yeah, we're standing. Yeah, we steal from everybody. Yes. What was that? What was that guy? Uh, uh, Old time stand up comedian Melvin Marvin. I can't remember. But Old but time. he, he says, I'll, I'll, they said you can use the joke. He says use it. Hell, I already stole it. What are you talking about? <laughs> Get it here. <laughs> right. Okay, that's cool. Well, we're we're at we're at the end, and if anybody has any questions, you better call quick because I think we're going to close up and work. And uh, yeah, yeah. Then Michael take a nap, long and hard earned nap, uh, doing one hour of work in three weeks. And work, work. Well, I uh, look forward to catching up with you all after Thanksgiving, and uh, have have a really great turkey day. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye.